0: Happy when you come in on Monday and you're
1: not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed?
0: M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress M-O-N-D-A-Y-S Monday sucks. Monday sucks. Forever will it make you walk and cry, cry, cry? come along and sing this song now. Get it off your chest. M O N How's everyone doing out there in Geek Vibes Nation? This is Dane Alves with another amazing, enticing episode of Monday Suck, the bi-weekly show in which I just rant about whatever I want to, because it's my show, (laughs) and I can. Uh, Joining me today, we have uh, a good friend of mine and a part of Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, He's got an awesome basketball podcast I'll tell you all about, but we got Nick Smith joining us. Thank you, good sir, for
1: joining us today
0: on Monday Suck.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I am super fucking excited to talk about um, the topics. Uh, I'll let you present them. Um, But, yeah, uh, uh, NBA Geekly, um, uh, I obviously host that show uh, once a week. um, And uh, we got a very fun show coming up because we are a quarter of the way through the NBA season. So we get to do our first quarter awards um, in which we, uh, break down who we think are, um, you know, the, the players that are most deserving of, uh, the awards that are, uh, given out at the end of the season, whether that be MVP or defensive player of the year or et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, look forward to that later this week. Uh, but for now, I am really excited to talk about, uh, like I said, I'll let you promote the topics, but uh i am I'm, I'm very happy to be here
0: Well, it's good to have you on buddy um I was I' gonna say, yeah, it's always great for the end of the year, uh in which you know you can kind of do those type of categories and have a fun episode like that uh is magic Johnson is he still playing basketball? Is he gonna be a part of that list oh too? yeah,
1: yeah, you know, I mean, they've done a lot of great work with uh, AIDS treatment, and uh, dudes still at it He's a fucking legend. Burn it
0: has something to. <laughs> Her it has something to do with grinding up money and injecting it to yourself, uh salt Park yeah, me i mean things.
1: yeah, i mean that's that's essentially what it is,
0: I got gotcha. you well, uh one, I mean that kind of gives me a good reason to go over my <laughs> other show, cheap plug wrestling geeks Alliance uh we're gonna be doing something similar uh in the next coming weeks about our favorite wrestler and whatnot, and also to announce uh Ooh. I think the last episode that I do of this month, I'll be going over my top ten films. Uh, of This year uh, series and then probably actors. So I'll try to get you, Nick, uh, whenever I coordinate that, but that will probably Nine. be the last thing I do um, for Monday suck. And then maybe top five stupid things that were really uh, heavily in the fucking public eye for no reason. That'll be the name <laughs> of the category.
1: by the way. Uh, uh, let me just throw this out there. Um, Go for it I didn't want to like throw this on as a topic But I did think it was interesting Oh and by the way just real quick Who do you think is my favorite wrestler of all time Favorite wrestler of all time Uh, It would be be late 80s early 90s Is my wheelhouse So if that gives you any sort of um, Place to go on
0: I'm going to go Just because they were both popular With a lot of people either Rowdy Roddy Piper Or Macho Man Randy Savage
1: No, Um, my favorite wrestler of all time was Sting, and it was not fucking Crow Sting, it was fucking, like, uh, blonde fucking hair, like, face paint, fucking pink, and all kinds of fucking neon color Sting, like, dude, Sting was my favorite back in the day, like, I fucking loved Sting, and it was so weird, too, because he, I mean, at that time, he was a heel, Um, and but I don't know. He just, like, always resonated with me. I liked him, and I liked, uh, of course, fucking Hollywood. Like, everyone fucking loved Hulk Hogan um, at that point in time. Um, but yeah, those 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 are, like, my top two. So Sting was my favorite. Uh, but anyway, um, I saw a, a very interesting thing um, that I don't know if you saw, Dane, but I want to – I already know your opinion on it, but I just – I want to hear you say it cuz I think it'll be uh somewhat comical and funny for the for the audience. Um did you hear about uh, PETA's thoughts on uh UJA mascot Uga?
0: Um, no, but please by all <laughs> means tell me their wonderful message in saving animal lives while they keep every uh, human society well, afloat and they kill the majority of domestic animals. Anyway, sorry, sorry, what were you saying?
1: Uh yeah, uh basically they uh they had a uh I don't know if it was a tweet or what. Um I'm sure it was very similar to the whole Steve Irwin thing, which uh we roasted them for um and everybody did, thankfully. Um but yeah they I mean they basically came out and they said that uh UGA um uh, that uh our, our – I say our because I am a huge uh, Georgia Bulldogs fan. Um, but just uh, – I'll try to refrain from that. Um, the UGA mascot, Ugga, um, who is a Bulldog, um, uh, is – is that, that essentially UGA should not have him as a mascot anymore um, because he looks miserable on the sidelines of the games. <laughs> and it like I, dude, I was just like are you fucking kidding? Out of all of the issues that you as a organization that are trying to you know, at, at least what they say they're trying to achieve is to protect animals. Um yeah, maybe don't try to go after um like a university who treats this animal like a fucking king um like dude i have no doubt in my mind that uh uga gets just the utmost pampered treatment and yeah like i'm sure there are times when he's on the sidelines where you know he's probably looks disengaged or bored or Upset if you want to go that far, uh but nevertheless, dude, you're talking about a fucking bulldog. It's not even like it's a non domesticated animal like I, you know if you want to go after somebody, I don't know, maybe go after like l s u who has a tiger in a cage that is not a domestic animal that like actually maybe shouldn't be in a fucking cage uh you know, but like for them to go after like a fucking English bulldog is uh, like as that as their target and just being like oh he looks sad on the sidelines like I was just like oh are you fucking kidding me Peta like you are fucking ridiculous dude um and of course as a Georgia fan I'm probably I I not probably I'm definitely like I skew uh you know in a biased sort of way but nevertheless dude like you're talking about a domesticated dog that you know it it, it just it it, the dog's only obligation is to like be on the field um or rather on the sidelines uh for 12 football games out of a year oh and you're also talking like the his little doghouse literally has air conditioning they have like bags of ice for him to lay on you know when he gets like really hot like this dog is not hurting for anything. Uh, he gets treated better than probably 90% of dogs in this country. Uh, I don't know. I just thought – I was like, oh my god. Like, again, yeah, this is Steve Irwin all over again, PETA. You need to fucking slow your roll and just like stay in your lane, man. Like Don't go after Obama for fucking uh, killing a mosquito. Don't go after Steve Irwin… <sighs> … posthumously, i might add um when he was like one of the biggest if not the most famous um uh wildlife conservationists of his time uh and again like like attacking a university for having a mascot that is a domesticated animal uh it's just it's it, they're fucking ridiculous man they're just a fucking stupid
0: I love the uh, corporation – or whatever the fuck they are. The, uh, I love PETA so much that <laughs> while you were breaking that down, uh, I drank a five-hour energy because I was already feeling tired. And then when you you, you went to this, this story, which I did hear a little bit about, and I looked up more information while you were talking, I needed more energy to talk about this wonderful fucking group um, of just con- – <laughs> contradictions and just ridiculous thoughts and just – I am so fucking sick of the. uh, If they had it their way, technically, we wouldn't be allowed to have pets. We would have to treat them like separate citizens, and they would be able to do whatever the hell they want. These are the same people that give out the concept that hunters are evil – (laughs) <laughs> when a lot of them are controlling the population of a certain animal that's overpopulated so they don't kill each other with starvation, or in bear cases, so don't, bears don't, like, go and kill their youth and their mother and shit like that. You know, the the, the thought process behind this is ridiculous. Uh, with with Ugga, I mean, it looks like his fucking doghouse is air-conditioned, for Christ's sakes. It looks like a Kardashian it could, could live <laughs> inside... His fucking doghouse. This is stupid. Very comfortable. And I, 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 li, listen, to this, listen to this pettiness of a response from someone. I think you'll appreciate this to an extent. Um, All right. Okay, Peter. I'm a Florida fan. Florida and Georgia have hated each other for 100-plus years. It's one of the yes, pettiest rivalries in sports. But – this is utterly ridiculous. Congratulations, guys. You have hit a special level of dumb for a Gator fan to back the dogs, and you hit it out of the park. So there you go. I mean, I, <laughs> I just don't understand the thought process of this. Why don't you close down zoos? I mean, I understand some of them are for zoologists who do scientific work on animals, but every single fucking one of them, and those guys look a hell of a lot like sadder than I would assume Ugga does, like – I, I, just shut the fuck up. And do me a favor. Instead of having the goddamn places called humane societies, why don't we just be honest with the public and call them what they actually are of animal population control centers? I know it doesn't have as as nice of a flashy ring to it, but I mean it's the truth and you guys fund it. So how about this, PETA? Go fuck yourselves. You guys suck. I forgot what the name of the lady is. The starter organization, but I'm, I'm I'm sure she's bathing in and 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 kittens blood in a fucking bathtub to preserve her age. <sighs> Sorry. All right. Anyways, <laughs> any 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 closing statements before we move on. Uh, God, I fucking hate
1: it. No, you about wrapped it up, man. That's uh, yeah. I said I said my beast. <laughs>
0: All right, so before we get into these reviews, I had uh, two douchey awards. One is actually a lot of people I think are presenting this as douchey, but I actually – I'm giving him a little bit of a pass, but I have with a lot of the stuff. And the other one's just fucking – I don't know. Maybe you'll think differently, Chris. The first one, I want to talk to you about this comment that Robert Pattinson made about Batman not being a superhero that's making nerd boys just cry and shit. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but he was getting interviewed by uh, Willie – Geist, I think. Uh, anyways, about the White House, and they were talking about the subject oh, yeah. of uh, of um called a Batman, and I think he called him a superhero, and Rar corrected him and said, "Batman, Batman's not a superhero. It's weird. I, I always uh, balk at it. I'm like, it it doesn't count. You need to have like magical powers to be a superhero." Um. So that was a statement that. Apparently pissed off a lot of fucking fans, and I mean, I guess I guess I I, I don't know I, I'm so into comic books, but something like this doesn't bother me because I'm going to assume that maybe Pattinson isn't a diehard comic book fan, um, or he's associating superhero with super powered hero. You know, with superpowers, right. like that's that's how he's right. looking into it. And and if you think about it, if and I don't I don't know I don't know if Rob, Roberts actually like reaching this much, but Batman really is a terrible superhero half the fucking time. If, if it costs, <laughs> if the overall goal is for something to happen and and stuff, sacrifices have to happen within it, he's willing to do that. He's willing to be that person. Now he he protects good, but it's almost like he feels like. He needs to, uh, you know. It's not so much like Superman, where Superman is a beacon of hope, because he realizes he has responsibilities. Like Batman wants to be that good that fucking scares the bad to go the hell away. Like there's no right. need for it. So, I mean, was his was his comments a little bit, you know, not 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 that smart? I guess when you think about the character and the breakdown of what it says, I guess but do i think people are getting, you know, butt about this a bit for no reason? Yeah, very much so. Uh wh- what do you think about the statement?
1: I like it. Um mainly because I like what i think that means his approach to the character will be um that this is a very complicated character. Um and you know, we've talked about before how we're very eager to get this detective story, uh which we all like think we're going to get from Reeves, but like just hearing the actor who's going to portray him like say like hey, he's not yeah you're we're i mean I guess we're kinda like i don't know i didn't <clears throat> I didn't hear it um in the context, but like what I would imagine he's saying is i maybe we're splitting hairs here, but he's not." really a superhero he's borderline anti-hero that is just like so conditioned to do what we as a society think is good um that we like award him that status uh and in that regard if i mean if that's what he meant um i i applaud it i i don't know i think i think batman is a very fucking complicated character. I think Pattinson's going to bring that to this character and I'm just really excited to see that. Um I can understand why some people are like, well, I mean, he is absolutely a superhero. Um but again, I really think it's just um semantics. Like we're just arguing over semantics yeah. at that point. It's like would you would you call V from V for Vendetta a superhero or like what would you call it? Like, because I mean, that's basically oh, what Atlantic. Batman is. Yeah, and that's what Batman is. So, yep. like, you know, I don't know. I I, I think, I think it's just a semantics based argument, and I don't usually like to subscribe to those kinds of arguments because I think they're futile.
0: I think it's silly because I think a lot of those, and you know, the the, the ones I've joked about, uh, the comic book movie fans that are from the comic book realm. And in, you know, movies, that's like, what got them in the cinema was the fact that they were acting comic books. And so, Robert Pattinson has this bad aura with a lot of people that don't actually right. investigate his actual acting with Twilight. So something like this basically vindicates those said fans that probably don't even pay attention to the acting enough to actually fucking care. But they want to make a big deal because yeah. it wasn't their Batman that they picked, you
1: know? Right. All right. So we got this other. No, I absolutely agree. I think, and I think those are the people who, um, just fucking like unabashedly love Zack Snyder, and are the release the Snyder cut. Like uh, the the like eighty percent of the release the Snyder cut people. Like there's twenty percent of the people who want to see the Snyder cut that are probably like you who, like, really appreciated the extended cut of BVS that wasn't, like, chopped to hell. Um, but, like, 80% of those people, like, they, they just fucking love Snyder. They, they like, it, it, in, and they're still just mad that, like, Snyder's not on board anymore and that, like, uh, the, the more recent movies ha- haven't had that same sort of... Um, Presence, if you will, uh, and, like, they're not I, – I think I think that has a lot to do with their um, umbrage with, like, Pattinson being Batman. Um, I think – which is funny because I think if you go back, I think the majority of those people are the same people who, like, vehemently oppose Ben Affleck being Batman. Um, but, uh, you know – I mean, who's to say? I, I, I think it would be impossible to quantify that. So maybe I'm wrong there.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're wrong. I uh, People <laughs> just always make me so happy, especially when for some reason I'm not even on Twitter and I get myself stressed out by dumb comments on Facebook. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a it's good U.S. way to be <laughs> <their> life. <laughs> well, all right. So we had another uh, douche award. Uh, so like I said, I I actually – You you can pick who you want out of your – the way you interpret either one. I don't think Robert Pattinson is being a douche, but I do think Pete Davidson is definitely being a fucking douche. Um, So we had a situation not too long ago where he was complaining, rightfully so, about people you know, while he was in a comedy club uh, practicing his his material. They were trying to videotape it, or they were on their cell phones just in general, not even paying attention, and um, he made a big deal about that. Now – I'm not a standard comedian, but I know some, and I can just tell from, I don't know, fucking common sense and intelligence that you should probably be at a comedy club to watch the act that's performing and get off your fucking electric devices. Same goes for anyone in the movie theater, uh, which annoys the shit out of me. Um, But, so uh, they were filming, I think, I believe a special, um, or he's working on uh, the same sketches Nick, that will be on his upcoming comedic special. Uh, But a fan Mm -hmm. claimed or fans have claimed that uh, Pete Davidson is demanding a one million NDA signed for you to be able to see his shows. Um, So you're, you're now let, just to let everyone know, come to find out that's illegal. You can't fucking do that. But either way, he (laughs) was trying to basically claim that he would sue up to a million dollars if you disclose any of the jokes from the performance. Uh I can get part of it so that his his material doesn't get ruined or people don't judge a section of it before it comes out. I don't know if it's a Netflix special or whatever. But my God, the balls to say that if you fucking if you tell anything, you're gonna have to pay up to a million dollars for people, I wouldn't I wouldn't go in the goddamn thing. Uh when I saw Dave Chappelle uh actually in the thing is, it might have been on the special uh, that was on uh, Netflix, the last one, because he was in Atlanta yeah. filming it, right. and he had like five, I think, the week of that I went at the uh, Fox, but we had to all give up our cell phones and put them away. Uh, they right. had to be in cases. We were able to have them. Um, that's normally what you do in situations like that, and that makes a lot of sense. Trying to fucking get fans yeah. to... Uh, Possibly pay up to that much money, which is absolutely ludicrous and is not backed legally, apparently, either. Uh, not only that, but I'm sorry, but Pete, you know, you are, you keep on complaining about millennials. And I hate to tell you, when it comes to the fact that you're 26 and you're born in fucking 94, someone that, quote unquote, is one of the older millennials looks at you as if there was a definition for young millennial. Your fucking face. With whatever hair color that you decide to have would be right the fuck next to it. So <laughs> I, I think it's ultimate douchiness, and uh, just – I've never even heard anything prolific comedic-wise from Pete Davidson, so I'm glad that he thinks that highly of himself. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe he's just trying to help out the, 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 the realm of comedy nowadays, but I just found that so eye-rolling worthy when I heard about that. Uh, Nick, have you heard about this, or is this the first time you're hearing no. uh, of this story? No,
1: this is this is the first time I'm hearing about it. I I think Pete Davidson's pretty funny. Um, I don't I don't know if I've ever caught his stand up, but I've seen him in a in a, in a few different things. Um, I, you know, I to me, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about what um, you had to do when you go, went and saw Chappelle. Like, just like if you're if you're doing a a comedy bit, um, and you have the power to do so, uh, and who knows what constitutes the power to do so? Because I mean, obviously, Chappelle has like um, like some added gravitas, and um, you know, just just the. the ability to maybe do get away with things that other comedians aren't able to do so with um but i mean just having people like have to turn in their phones when they when they come in or whatever you had to do there in some way where they couldn't video record it um it, i mean that seems that seems logical to me um and it seems like the the people who would really want to go see a a comedy show would be fine with it. Like, they'd be like, all right, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just part of the deal. Um, Like, because I get that aspect of it. I get the aspect of Like, you don't want people recording you um, when you're doing your bits for multiple reasons. I mean, uh, mainly, you don't want your, like, I don't, you don't want your process to be, like, fucked with. Like, you want to be able to, like, really... Cultivate your jokes, and to to figure them out, and to be able to respond to various audiences, and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and if you know the you know that kind of video gets leaked, um, it, it maybe it fucks with your with your headspace, with your process, everything else. Um, but I mean, I also get the fact that like, you know, you don't want like if the things that you try that don't go over well. Particularly, you don't want those things um you know hitting the webosphere uh and you know again i get it um but yeah to like i don't know to have that, like, it it it's it's a little audacious to have people try to sign um you know something saying that they would be you know i don't know under penalty of law if they disclose anything that went on in the show yeah it seems a little over the top um yeah, I think I think honestly you could just like pretty much ground it with uh hey we're we're the there's no phones allowed in the um, uh, you know in the arena. So um either leave your phone in your car or if you bring it in um you have to check it. Um and I think if most people knew that in advance, they'd just leave it in their car cuz it'd be way easier. You just leave it in your car and then when you get back to your car, there it is. Um I think, I, I I think if you're uh, on the level of a comedian who is not not even like Dave Chappelle level, um, but just like a mildly successful comedian, um, that you'd be able to get away with that. Like depending on what the seats are, um, but I I you know I I think that would be the better way to go than to have like. <laughs> signed affidavits and shit like that. Um, just personally.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just, I want to know where he got that number. That, that was my biggest question. It was like, who the fuck? (laughs) Like, the the Laura Michaels, like, you should charge a million dollars per head. Like, (laughs) uh, I don't even know, but yeah, you know, I love, I love to give Pete shit because, I mean, he did, date. um, Kate Beckinsale for two months, and that's that. That that I would I would go to hell to be able to do just a week and just take her out on a date, you know. So maybe maybe one maybe day, I'm just a, I a go bit to hell jealous for
1: eternity for one date with Kate Beckinsale. With
0: Kate Beckinsale <laughs> is if she's wearing the outfit from the Underworld, you know. That's whatever. We'll figure it out. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about. Uh let's talk about the movie first and then we'll talk about uh Mandalorian. But um sure. I I watched I watched a movie called The Irishman. It was from one of my actually no, I'll, I'll say it, my favorite director, all my comic book fans that that gasped, yes, you can still love comic book movies and not be mad at, you know, uh Martin Scorsese for saying things that you don't like. You know, you can figure it out, f fucking Christ's sakes. Uh but He's my favorite director of all time. I've seen a majority of his films, um, and I just – I am biased. I know that there have been people that have said that to them the movie was really good, but it was a bit slow. And I'm just saying that I'm not going to worry about that personally to me because you could make a four-hour version of this fucking movie, and I'm going to enjoy pretty much all of it just because I love the director so much. Um, Right. You know, I was gonna say kind of like I'm assuming you are with Tarantino to an extent, Nick.
1: Yeah, like uh, I I feel like a lot of people had, um, and it wasn't as long, um, but a lot of people had similar gripes to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was just there for it. Like I didn't feel like it was too long. I just like I I felt like it was it just flew by, honestly. Like just and and I went and watched that in theaters, um and i i mean a lot of people had that um criticism that they just thought it was too long it kind of meandered in the middle and um there was a lot that could be cut out and i was just like i didn't i didn't want any of it cut out i loved all of it so i feel you
0: yeah and and uh maybe that's just society you know nowadays it just seems like our attention span is pretty fucking short, or most people's, I would say. We need everything now. But I find it funny because this is this is a story about the d- disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, which is a big American right. crimes concept. I swear to God, the same people that would complain and say this movie was too long because it was three hours and 29 minutes would watch a fucking Netflix document series breaking down the same exact thing – in six episodes, all of them being an hour long in one afternoon, no problem binging it. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but it just seems like you got to have a lot of stuff going on. And honestly, when you look at his past gangster films, if you're if you're talking about The Departed, if you're talking about my favorite movie of all time, Goodfellas, if you're talking about Casino, Mean Streets even um, – you know, even Gangs in New York, which was like the beginning of the, the different, you know, gangs and stuff like that that would turn into different types of mob families and whatnot for Irish and Italian and all that. All of them – well, maybe not Gangs in New York so much, but there's a lot more blood. There's a lot more – you know, there was – this was definitely more so with dialogue, uh, you know, and seeing these characters and going back and forth. Um in time between the different, you know, time periods, and to me, the storytelling aspect of it, I loved. I thought it was great. Um, it wasn't too long for me. Um, my sister, she did it differently. She loved the movie. She's also a huge Scorsese fan, uh, but she chopped it up into thirds. You know, she's got a kid, obviously. So her and Scott ended up watching it in three different parts, and it worked out for them. They still love the movie that way. Um, yeah, but. Let's – I'm going to get your retort for that. But after that, let's talk about I guess we should say maybe some of the negatives and then kind of go into like the breakdown of the story and the positives of the movie. But um, sure. did you have any issues yourself with the amount of time for the film?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I I did think it was too long um, and not, not in the sense of um, – like you, you shouldn't make a three and a half hour long movie. Um, like, because I mean, I don't think there should be any. I don't think there should be any time dictated on and what a movie should be. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm very much, um, you know, as I said with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I like it was three hours long. I fucking loved every minute of it and would not cut a single scene out of it um for the irishman um i would probably cut out most of the last 30 minutes of it um mainly um can we can we say spoilers like can we just go ahead and delve into spoilers is that cool
0: spoiler warning spoiler warning if you are listening still you are making a bad decision spoiler warning spoiler warning from here <laughs> on out there you go
1: yeah thank you um i like with it, with it, like after he, uh, after De Niro kills, uh, Pacino, um, which I did not see coming. I know I should have seen coming in hindsight, but like, I, I don't know. I guess there was a part of me that was like, maybe he's gonna, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know the story of Jimmy Hoffa. I didn't, like, I, I mean, I vaguely knew of Jimmy Hoffa, but I didn't know, like, how he met his end and everything else. And obviously, this isn't, probably not exactly how he met his end. Um this is one account from one dude um and there's many accounts from other different people. Um but nevertheless, uh I I didn't know that was coming, so that was shocking. Uh and that was that build up was fucking great. Like that portion of the movie was my favorite part of the movie, the build up to that specific payoff was Fucking fantastic! Like the acting in it, in 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 general, the acting in the whole movie, but just um the way that it got like portrayed, um and that they didn't explicitly say like Pesci did never explicitly said like you gotta go kill Jimmy Hoffa. It was it was like very um uh like. I don't know like on the uh, uh on the d l if you will um but from that point of the movie um till the end of the movie, I thought just dragged like i like personally, I did not need to see him going to see his daughter at a bank i got i got it from the moment that she was like um. Why didn't you call her? Um, and, and, you know, uh, it, 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 like, it was so obvious to me. I was like, she is fucking done with him. They had set it up through the whole movie. You didn't need the payoff of her at the bank, like, putting up the clothes thing and walking away from him. So I thought that was, like, an unnecessary scene. Um, I thought that, um, the, the, um, uh the scene uh with him being uh you know talked to by the police um where they were essentially like come on man everyone's dead like you know you don't you, you who are you protecting now like it that was insignificant because as an audience we already knew that you know within the film's context that he killed Hoffa. so it wasn't like it wasn't like that was going to result in some kind of payoff. We already knew what happened as the audience. Um, So like, I I felt like, I felt like most of the last 30 minutes of that movie was unnecessary. Really what it, what it, what it said to me, like what I felt watching it was this is Martin Scorsese coming to grips with um, his own mortality um and him exploring that uh more you know that mortality through this character uh that Robert De Niro portrayed um on on screen uh that thing again i don't i don't know that that's what it was but it, it it that's what it felt like to me um and i i thought just as a as a viewer it was somewhat unnecessary um to like really delve into all of those little nuances i think i don't think there was any revelation past the point where um Hoffa is offed by um De Niro's character um to the end of the movie there's like no real um you know there's, there's nothing really that the audience is is um uh like told at that point that they don't already know um and and i thought it was a little bit of um essentially scorsese being like i get to make whatever the fuck i want to make because i'm martin scorsese and i don't know honestly he probably should like even though i i i take objection with the you know the, the movie being a little too long um I I don't necessarily think uh I wouldn't want to be the one to tell Scorsese, "Hey, you need to trim this here or there." You know, so I you know, I don't I don't blame them uh for I don't blame Netflix for giving him carte blanche to like make the movie that he wants to make. And furthermore, we always talk about um you know, fucking studio interference and everything else. Like I would much rather have a movie made that is too long than a movie made where a studio interferes and is just, it, it becomes a bastardized version of the movie that the director intended. So like, I want to make that clear. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it drugged. I think you could have ended the movie essentially um, uh, where his daughter um, asks him why he hasn't called her yet. And you get in with that phone call, and then tr- just seamlessly transition into the final scene of the movie, where he's like, you know, essentially. Um, actually, I think I think there were there were two different um, scenes where he talks to the priest. Um, and the, the the scene that I'm going to reference is from the first scene he talks to the priest. But I think you could have combine them. Um, but he does say, like, to to the priest at one point, like, who who the fuck what kind of person makes that phone call like that was the thing that stuck out to him which i thought was very interesting like that that like that would be the kind of thing that would haunt that character was him making that phone call um and how he handled that because that had more to do with him more to do with his inability to um … to be able to cope with what he did and less to do with the people that it affected, um, which I think was very um, important as far as that character. Um, but I think you could have combined that with his final confession and the, the, the final scene of the movie, uh, and you could have just wrapped all that up right there at the end. Um, I, I definitely think there's like 25 minutes you could have cut out at the end of the movie um but you know i i feel like people would fight me on that i like, you might you might uh Dane, you might uh just be like dude but you're missing all of this context with the last 30 minutes of the movie um and i don't know i think a lot of people think that there's a lot of stuff you could cut out in the middle of the movie but i like really fucking enjoyed most of the middle of the movie Um, and I wouldn't want to cut much out of that. So I think it's, it's just, it it would be really hard. Um, I think to get a group of people that would agree how you would shorten the movie. Um, I think everybody would have their own ideas as to how, you know, you could make it a two and a half hour movie. Um, but I don't. I don't think very many people would agree as to how you go about doing it. Um so like I said, in that sense, I don't mind it being three and a half hours long. Um uh just in the sense of I like letting directors you know, make making the movie they wanna make. Um but personally, um, as a viewer, I think there could have been a lot trimmed uh, you know, uh to to make the movie flow a little better, um, particularly at the tail end of the film.
0: No, that, that's that's definitely fair enough. Um, just to let you know, uh, Sting was actually my second favorite professional wrestler of all time. So there you go. Um, nice. Nice little throwback, right? Um, no, but uh, with the timing, I think if he were to have displayed this only in theaters, he probably should shave off about 20 minutes. It didn't have the frantic energy that Wolf of Wall Street had. It didn't have something to keep people not paying attention to how long it was. But I do right. think, personally... It was a slow uh, burn. Yes. I think certain things at the end, um, like one of the scenes that you said wasn't needed, uh, to me, the ending, a lot of it was seeing those mafios people, you know, all of them dying off, basically, like, you know, meeting their end, kind of like at the beginning of the movie you had those Little captions like in 1979, he gets shot in the head. Blah blah blah. Right. And a lot of payoff. Pay yeah, and a lot of that payoff happens at the end. And when the cops are talking to him, to me, it was like, yeah, obviously we know that he did it, and he has no reason. You know, there there wasn't as much reason except for the fact that he's so he's he's the Irishman too. He's not even Italian, but he's been so right. loyal to the Italian mob, even if everyone's dead and he has no one to worry about. He's still not going to fucking say anything. Like he's that loyal to the mafia. And to me, it, it worked. But I do agree a lot of that stuff with his with his daughter, who for not saying much. I know there's people bitching about that. What what the fuck do you expect? I thought Anna Paquin did a great job delivering such a a, a great performance just with visuals and him looking at you know De Niro and realizing like Dude, you that, fucking killed him.
1: That scene. That scene was arguably the best scene in the movie like where she's just like why why haven't you called them like that yeah to me like that's that's why i would have used that as almost the last scene um to transition into him on his deathbed like because that was just arguably the most impactful scene of the movie like her just knowing um they like, get that to me was so much more impactful and so much more of a scene to like um leave that character as an audience leave that character on than the scene with her at the bank like i don't i don't I didn't get like a real impact from that i mean I guess like yeah the the desired effect is to be like you know he's this broken down old man and and he just wants this one last reunion with his daughter. And it's like I I don't know I've seen that before I've seen that I saw that in blow and it was done so much better um, you know and and I I don't know I good I, point I feel like I feel like to end it on the note that they could have ended it on with her like and, and and he even has that voiceover where he's like that's the last time she ever had anything to do with me I feel like that was just the point to where you let that go. You know, but anyway, I'm sorry, I digress. Go ahead.
0: No, but all right. So this kind of leads. So the time, like I said, I understand why a lot of people thought that it was too long. I think that he probably, like I said, if he if it was just all straight in the movie theaters, probably shave off about 25 minutes. Uh, a lot of the stuff, like I said, with. Like you're like you're saying, like the relationship with her, him, the old folks home. You could have trimmed that down very easily. You could have talked to the father. Kind of wrapped up a lot of that stuff. Uh, but my number one problem, not so much problem. I got used to it. I think they were coming a long way when it comes to age reduction technology. But if you want me to believe that there's three men in this that play the key roles, all of them are about the same age. I believe Al Pacino, 79. Uh, Pesci and De Niro are both 77, 78, one or the other. I know Pacino's a couple years older. De Niro's supposed to be about, I don't know, like 15, 20 years younger than the other two guys. And uh, it just – I'm sorry. Like at the beginning, the biggest – the, I thought it was an awesome scene. It reminded me of Goodfellas with uh, Ray Liotta when he goes and beats the shit out of that guy for fucking around with his yeah, uh, he Yeah, when, when
1: he beats the shit out of her, out of his daughter's boss, right? Yeah,
0: well, it, it was at the store owner and she knocked something over, so he pushed her out of the yeah. store and he came yeah. down there and beat the crap. You could totally tell that was an old man kicking the shit up. I mean, you can tell. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And the elbows, I mean the elbows. You have the elbows of a fucking 70-year-old man, you know, and you're trying to portray someone in their 40s. It just it was right. a little bit silly. It you could easily work.
1: shot You know, that there was this movie
0: There was a movie made in the 70s, Nick, you might have heard of it, where uh, De Niro played a younger version of a mob boss, uh, and they did that really well, called called? Godfather 2. Oh, yeah. And I think all they needed to do, honestly, was have a younger version of De Niro. You could have had him still as an older version, or – I mean – Cast De Niro as another part in the movie. I mean Harvey Keitel was publicized to be in this movie. He's in it for fucking five to ten minutes out of the three okay. and a half hours. Yeah. Um Yeah, he's you,
1: not in it hardly at all. I
0: love De Niro in this. I, I you know, and, and I really oh, would not right? want to see Pesci or Pacino leave, but the the and me trying to suspend disbelief, it was a little bit much. And especially since he was wearing blue contacts because it looked fucking weird the whole entire time. I mean, De Niro's already Irish and Italian, so he doesn't really need the blue eyes. I mean, I guess if the fucking real person did, who the hell is going to go that much in the past? So his face already looks weird because you're trying to make him look younger than he already do- than he doesn't. And then you put mm. blue eyes on top of that. It To me, it just stood out. Uh, did you have at all any issues with the age reduction technology in this?
1: Honestly, I didn't not not at least I don't think as much as you did but I did have a big problem with that particular scene um I just thought like dude he looks like a 75 year old man trying to beat up a guy like you you have to realize that and know your limitations and shoot it differently like that that is my big takeaway from that particular scene cuz he the way he walks like I literally I uh, watched this movie with my mom. because um, she's a big Scorsese fan as well. Um, and you know, we we try to watch whatever movies we can together. They're few and far between. She doesn't like comic book movies, um, and you know, she doesn't like like sci fi in general. Um, so like, you know, we, we try to find stuff that we can watch together. Um, and like a new Scorsese movie, a new like she loves Goodfellas, she loves um my godfather she loves casino so it's like all right well this is something we can watch together and i literally said to her well all the technology in the world can't make you can't make you walk like you're a fucking 35 year old man like it just can't like he moves in that scene like he is 75 years old and like just when he like even when he stomps the dude um And even just when he's walking, he just looks – he moves like an old man. And it's just like, dude, you had to have known that you could do any assortment of close-ups, any assortment of of various shots. Like I know you have this shot in your head, but at some point you have to be like, this doesn't look right. Um, Like I want to see the shots that didn't make the cut because if if that's the shot that made the cut, like oh my god, what shots didn't make the cut? Like that is just, it's a terrible fucking shot of what is supposed to be a 35 40 year old guy who is walking like a 75 year old man. Um and and that absolutely stood out to me. Um again, it's minor it's not huge. It doesn't make me dislike the movie, um, but it, it definitely makes it seem like um, – it's one thing to try and de-age someone's face. It's another thing to try and shoot something where you're trying to capture what a 35, 40-year-old would do uh, in a 75-year-old's body. It just doesn't work. It did, That scene doesn't work, um, and I, I just – I wish he would have shot it differently. If if he had like there's any number of ways you could have shot that. You like literally you could have um I like I get it. He wanted to do like this shot with the daughter um still in frame outside the store witnessing the barbaric nature of her um of her father and like kind of she it they they played it so she kind of already knew who he was, but this is like the first time that she really understands who the man uh, is that is her father. Um, so I understand why he wanted to shoot it that way, but, like, you, dude, you, you just you can't. If, if, if you want to do this movie with these actors and do the whole de-aging thing, then you have to give up that particular way of shooting that particular scene. You have to come up with a way to shoot that scene in a way that it doesn't obviously reveal you're using a 75 year old actor um, and de aging him. Uh, and I don't know. Scorsese was just like, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want to do." Um, and I think there was uh, a lot of it, that. Yeah, and 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 that just didn't work. It, it there's a couple there's a couple parts throughout the movie where that happens, but that's the one that stands out the most and it just it just doesn't work and I, I like i like i said there's plenty of ways where you could shoot that with close ups or you know any any particular way like you could have conveyed that same stunt double um yeah absolutely cuz i mean it's a wide shot like i mean it's it's way back so i mean you could have totally pulled that off with a stunt double um and uh you know, or if you if you would give up the wide shot angle, you you could have um had had it done with more close ups and just had, had a scene where um you know he is like a close up where he is like maybe stomping this dude's hand and you see her in the background. Like a close up of De Niro stomping the guy's hand um and then you see her like watching in fear in the background and and coming to this kind of realization that you wanted uh, to convey, I just think there would would have been better ways to shoot it, um, in any number of ways, uh, and and that that was absolutely a, a sticking point—a scene that stuck out.
0: Yeah, you know what? I mean, the film costs about 160 million dollars to make. I say just throw in—I don't know—another 50. And we get, De Niro can play him as an old man, and then you have the CGI uh, uh, James Dean that's going to be in movies soon uh, as the younger version of (laughs) De Niro. I think that would have worked out really well. But um, seriously, the funny thing about it is, the the, the weird thing about this is someone was saying, like, it just, the the whole age reduction technology, it doesn't make them look like they did when they were younger. Because I watched Mean Streets yesterday, and – De Niro looked so different when he was younger. Uh, It just makes that version of him look younger, if that makes sense. So it's it's still still got issues. Um, I will say that no matter the age reduction uh, stuff that kind of bothered me or the length that a lot of it – I don't think it was so much pacing. I think it was just supposed to be a slow ride like you said. Uh, But the length overall, it was a long movie. I still love this film, and I thought it was a damn – very well-made film and a, and a Scorsese film. I mean, he Scorsese has a certain way about him of how he. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street has a very similar flavor to Casino. Has a very similar flavor. All of them. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. His '70s ones, whether it be Mean Street, Taxi Drivers, King of Comedy, uh, even Raging Bull, they have like more of like an like an artsy. Like it, it, it was. It was the way they filmed in the 70s. I don't really know how, a way of, like, explaining it, but there, there's definitely a difference right, I know when he you entered... You know what I'm saying? Like, the late 80s, yeah.
1: Scorsese,
0: when, when, when he understood not just trying to go for, you know, smaller audiences, like, trying to get everyone to look at him. He had this... It's very much... Scorsese-looking film is very much like a Tarantino-looking film, like a like a certain director, a Kubrick. Like, it has a certain style and flavor. Right. And I thought... Another little problem. I understand the time period of when these guys were coming up, but the music usually is a big thing with Scorsese movies, and I thought it was kind of flat in this. Uh, not saying I need to hear Rolling Stones greatest hits throughout it, but you know it was a lot more like '50s, '60s. It was 60s, really nice to hear any Rolling Stones music in this movie. <laughs> Not saying I need the, the greatest hits album from them, but uh, you know. Uh let let's let's break down this film though a little bit with the cast. I wanna talk. Um we'll go back and forth on the cast, and then we'll talk a little bit of the plot itself and uh kind of sure. give our scores and everything and, and talk about compared to other Scorsese films in the past. But um Yeah. You have Robertson this this uh I should say this this film was based off a book called I Heard Your Paint Houses, uh written by uh Charles Brandt, who was actually Never in the film, he's the guy talking to De Niro the whole entire time. He's actually the either CIA or FBI agent that apparently got the confession from De Niro that he killed uh, Jimmy uh, Hoffa. So, um, And the term I heard you houses is an Italian mobster term that basically says – Hey, I heard you kill people because uh, when you go into a house that's like being redone, you shoot them, bloods against the wall, and then they, you know, make the house look like it's brand new and get rid of your body. Which happens to Jimmy Hoffa in this movie, apparently, and also happened to Joe Pesci in Goodfellas, if you remember, when he was going to be quote unquote right. made, and he just walked into a room and boom, house are painted and shit. So. um, The actors, I think we'll we'll talk about the main ones, obviously the big three. Robert De Niro plays the Irishman Frank Sheeran, a very devoted, uh, honorable man who was in the military uh, and basically honorable to the mafia, which is not probably the best thing. But because of that, he works his way up and then also meets Jimmy Hoffa, who has his ties with the mob. Um, And, you know, Frank's trying to do the right thing in a very, very roundabout fucking way. But you know, mm-hmm. it, to him, it's it's about the way he, he he portrays it. De Niro acts like it's about his family and making sure that he makes ends meet, and that is to an extent. But I think that he actually likes it, and he actually you know that's something that in other movies the character would glorify and and completely embrace that, like Ray Liotta's character in Goodfellas, for example, or De Niro's character in Casino, where they know that they that. That they, they say they're doing it for the family, but that's all a facade, really. They're just doing it. I think De Niro's kind of half and half, his character of Frank. He's got this loyalty towards uh, Joe Pesci's character, Russell uh, uh, Buffalino. Uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Buffalino, I'm sorry. God, my Italian is just going out the window right now. Uh, but uh, very <laughs> – very crazy. Uh, to me, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino really stood out in this movie, and that's because Joe Pesci usually plays these crazy, violent characters in past Scorsese films. And even you know the the, the character they played in Home Alone was like very frantic and a lot of energy. And uh, even even my cousin Vinny, he played another character that was very large, large energy for a small guy, very pissed off. Totally different with uh, this yeah. character, Russ is very silent. I mean, all he has to do is point to his ring and De Niro knows to go kill some dude, you know, later on basically because he pissed him off. I mean, very silent, very very, I I thought it was one of Bessie's best performances, honestly, and Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa even having to wear whatever he had to wear on the top of his lip to make it protrude, I thought it an outstanding (laughs) performance. I know that a lot of people will say that he overacts sometimes, and with this with this role, I think some people will say that he overacted. But I didn't think that. I thought that if, if from the research that I did with a lot of, with about five podcasts today, uh, so it's not really that much research. But uh, since I've been learning more about Jimmy Hoffa and this whole entire American Crimes thing, uh, he was loud and boastful and aggressive and hated John Kennedy and. I love that scene right. where they find out that he dies and everyone,
1: yeah, you know, and he is goes
0: completely back beside himself. <laughs> he goes back to eating his ice cream and then he realizes that his company has the half mass in order, or with the flag, in order to signify, oh, yeah. you know, the fact that Kennedy dies. And he's like, what the yeah. fuck? He goes to the top, makes him raise it all the way to the top. Yeah. Uh, and then he was asked, uh, what was he asked? He was like, uh, what what do you think about the death of John Kennedy? And he goes, well, that it just means that Bobby Kennedy's just another lawyer. Like that's all yeah. it really broke down to him. I thought that he was yeah. incredible. Um, Ray Romano, you know, he he wasn't bad or anything. I thought he did a good job as uh as Russell's brother, yeah, uh, lawyer. Bill uh, Buff Buff or Buffalino. Um, uh, Bobby Cannavale did great for the beginning of the film as Skinny Razor. Uh, Anna Packlin, I thought like I said, more with a physical performance than this, but as uh Peggy Sharon and also Lucy uh Galena as young Peggy, I thought both of them did a great job portraying this the, the daughter of, of of this man that doesn't trust their father anymore they 've seen him do some pretty bad stuff, leave in the middle of the night um and uh there was there was definitely some other people I'm trying to think Car- Harvey cartell did great for the couple scenes he was in it, but he wasn't in much sure um. I'm trying to find everyone. Uh Sebastian, um Maniscalco, the uh, comedian. He played Crazy Joe Gallo. I thought that he did a great job for the short period of time. He's the one who pisses yeah, off and Russ. That, and Russ basically and just, that, like go handle that, him.
1: Right. And that hit scene was fucking brilliant. That was a fucking terrific scene. Like just the way that they broke that down was um like kind of the 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 um uh, was that one the one version that it, of him it looked like it it looked like it and 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 that 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 um uh, the fact that they were able to do it with the voiceover, uh, you know with um him kind of explaining shit uh and then like him going in to do the job in the way that like they did it. Because I was like I was wondering, I was like, why the fuck is he gonna do it when they all know that it's him. And he just walks in all sly and then just turns around and starts firing and then runs out of there. And I was like, all right, well, I guess that's how you get away with it. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, that scene was fucking terrific. Uh, 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 I don't know his name, but the dude who played um, uh, Al Capone on um, uh, Boardwalk Empire uh, played the, um, the guy – who Al Pacino hates because he met with, he's always late and he meets and oh, he, he comes yeah. to meetings in shorts. Um, And that was fucking great. Like those lines, like who the fuck shows up to a meeting in, like without a fucking suit? Like what the fuck? Like I loved that part of it. Like that like bit of dialogue and everything was great. But yeah, that, that actor, um, I, I can't remember his name. I'm, it killed Steven me. Graham. I should know it thank you um british actor also by famous the way. for snatch um, yes absolutely british actor uh uh but he does a really good job of, of portraying these like gangsters um in 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 this uh either you know the the prohibition era or you know this era um does a really good job of playing those roles very talented actor um he did great
0: yeah, and I, I I just loved, like, you know, just just Jimmy Hoffman. Of course, I don't think he was referring to Italians at the time, but he was like, you people. He was like, you know, that <laughs> was the thing that pushed him over the edge, that he needed an apology, right. was the fact that Pacino said, you people. He and then when he tells oh, him that, he calls way. him a fucking wop and, you know, starts, yeah. you know, telling him to go fuck himself.
1: Oh, and also in that scene where he's like, well, sure, I'll apologize to you for that as soon as you apologize for being late. Like, I was just like, oh, that's fucking great, dude. Like, that was... That is fucking... That is beautiful fucking screenwriting. Because, like, he went on and on about him being late. And so, like, for them to, like, just bring that back uh, with that particular, like, point in time in that character, that was fucking awesome.
0: Well, I guess he shouldn't have pissed them off, though, because that inevitably was the reason why... Jimmy went missing, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, man. Uh, outstanding cast. Um, we'll kind of go on more of the story, but like, you know, especially the main three, De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, what do sure. you think about the acting performances in The Irishman?
1: Dude, they were fucking terrific. Like, all of them were on their game. Like you said, Pesci um, in this this sort of um, this this character where he got to be really subtle and just got to kind of immerse himself in a character in which is like very reserved and calculated uh just so worked. I thought Pesci actually gave the best performance in the whole movie um and i don't I don't know if that's i I don't have a pulse on what enough people thought about the movie yet to know if that's controversial. Um, but uh or you know, uh outside the lines of what most people think. Um, but for me personally I thought Pesci was just the standout of this movie. Um I, I feel like a lot of people think it was Pacino. Um and I, I thought Pacino was great. Um I do think um he absolutely is to some extent, hemming it up. Like he's doing um, his Sin of a Woman performance that he has um, kind of uh, uh, made into his own persona since then, since '93. Um, and just like lived oh, yeah. off that. I mean, yeah, he does it in Heat, he does it in pretty much all of the movies. I mean he does it in Devil's Advocate, he does it in Any Given Sunday, he does it in all of his movies since then. Um, But I will say this, like you said, that character seemed very fitting for that kind of performance. And um, like I said, I watched this with my mom, and she lived – she's like 62-ish, somewhere in there. Um, and, like, she lived through, like, Jimmy Hoffa, and, like, what that meant and everything else, and, and she knew who he was, um, and, like, she was like, that it was exactly Jimmy Hoffa. Like, that's exactly who he was. He was this charismatic dude who just fucking fit right in, um, and was, like, the unions loved him, and... Like that, I mean, she. I mean, she just like yeah, that's that's it, that's him. Um, so like I that might um characterize my uh thoughts on the character, but like, you know, if if someone who lived through it is like that is who that was, I think that that, you know, that's some that's some bonus points. Um, and I I, I feel like too Scorsese would know, um, like how that character was and. I think there's a reason why he cast Pacino because he knew um, Pacino has this shtick that he does now, but this shtick works for this character. Um, so let me cast him because I think this will really work for this character, and I think it really does. I think he's fucking great um, as Hoffa. I think it, like he's so charismatic, and um, and like two. I really just love the scenes, like I fucking love the scene with him and De Niro in the hotel room, where um, he asks uh, De Niro to be um, the the head of of the chapter in New Jersey or whatever um, of of the um, of the union. Um, like that scene is just beautiful. And it's in that, to me, like I think I think Pacino gets to do his hoo-ha shit when you know he's in front of like the crowds, um, and he gets to kind of do it when he's really pissed off about the mob trying to boss him around. But the scenes in between that kind of stuff, like the scene I'm talking about, where they're just in that hotel room. Um, I think that's where you get to see Pacino like really give his best performance in this movie. I think he should absolutely be fucking nominated for a Best Supporting Actor. I think Pesci should be nominated for a Best Supporting Actor. I think both of them. Um, there were, those performances were both fucking fantastic. De Niro, um, I think he was just okay. I Like, and I feel like that's, kind of blasphemy to say because like Dener I agree. De is so fucking amazing and I fucking love him so much. Um he is easily one of my top 5 favorite actors of all time. Like as far as just an actor, I love him way more than Pacino. I love him way more than Pesci. Um and I think maybe that's the reason why I think that he was I don't want to say just okay, I think he was better than okay. I think he was really good. I don't think he was great um but I don't think so the, the the I don't think he was given the opportunity to be more than really good. you know what I mean like I think the way that the the script was written and the way that the character was um it 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 he was the vessel um to explore the story um he wasn't um he, like he really wasn't the 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 character that you cared the most about really you cared m- most about Jimmy Hoffa in this whole movie um that you and 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 they even show that with the way that they make his daughter really care about Jimmy Hoffa um even after he's dead the way she reacts to um you know him having uh, De Niro's character not having called um Hoffa's wife Joe, um, th- like they really like paint that as the as the, the 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 main character of the movie despite Hoffa and Pacino not being the main character um and so like he's the vessel through which we explore this story with, um, but he's not the most interesting character. He's not um the 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 most um uh, uh compassionate character. He's not the character you care most about, um, any of that. So uh, you know, it is what it is. Um but, you know, I I think I think De Niro totally killed the part. I just don't think the character um was enough for me to like really invest uh the 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 care that you really want for um your main character. Which I guess is, is maybe another flaw, though I don't really see that as a flaw because I think there's a lot of great movies where your main character is just a vessel for you to Tell a story, and there's all these other characters that make up for it, and I think this falls into that category. So I don't, I don't look at that as like a downside, um, but I, I do think that like, it, it's, it, it is. Um, it, it, I don't think he should be. I don't think De Niro should be nominated for anything for this this role, and and that's not because De Niro is not great. It's just because the character. Uh, was written that way if that makes sense
0: no man I agree with you and I mean uh, there's going to be a lot of hard choices for best actor I don't see De Niro getting on there unless they just nominate him because he's Robert De Niro I do I did find I thought him playing Frank. He did a great job I just thought that all right, he was one of the main funders behind this. This movie's been – they've been trying to get made – try to get Joe Pesci to come out of retirement for a long time. Pacino said that he was a part of this seven years ago. So this has been a long process to get The Irishman made, and I'm assuming that what they might have done is if Pesci – or if if Pesci wouldn't have come back, that might have been De Niro's part in the movie is what I'm assuming. Um but yeah, I, I don't think it really mattered. I think
1: that those two and people that might have were been supposed better, to be honestly. I think De Niro it might have been. would have killed that part. And I think if they had gotten a younger actor, like, could you imagine if they had gotten Leo to play De Niro's part?
0: Or if you need and a like, little bit older due to whatever, I mean Ray Liotta also comes to mind. He's what, about fifteen, twenty years something yeah, than them but too. That's,
1: that's gonna be really hard to CGI Ray Liotta's face and make it look pretty again. I, oh like my today, god! I think, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. He knows this. Um, uh, like I just, I just think like if you could have had somebody because I think all the deaging technology worked for the most part. But if you could have had and the Leo is Irish as fuck too. Yeah, and if you could have had the main character be younger. Like I, I don't know. I think it would have just worked better. I, I really do. I think if you could have replaced Leo, and I would not have wanted. No chance. I would want to have replaced Joe Pesci because he was fucking brilliant in this movie. Yeah. Um. He needs to get if nominated. You if you, yes, he fucking does. Like absolutely. If anybody in this movie? He deserves the nomination more than anybody, in my opinion. Um. I still think Brad Pitt should win best supporting actor for uh once upon a time in Hollywood it's still the best best supporting actor role that i've seen to this point um and yep. i you know i haven't seen um a a, a solid bulk of oscar uh caliber movies uh, there's like 3 or 4 that i still need to see um but I, I still think Brad Pitt uh as far as what i have seen deserves it the most um but nevertheless uh i think if you, i think Just knowing, like, Scorsese's, like, ties to Leo and everything, I think that would have been the right way to go. Or even, like, if you, like, you know, obviously Leo was doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe that was the reason, or maybe not the reason, but a reason why he couldn't have got him. Um, Just somebody else in that Yeah, I agree with you would have been better. I, I understand why he wanted to have all of those people. And I think it's fucking great that we do get this kind of um, coup de grace, like this um, swan song of all of these fucking fantastic actors all on stage together. Um, but I, I do think there's other actors who could have pulled off that role maybe a little bit bit better than De Niro and again oh, I yeah. fucking love De Niro I'm not I'm not this he didn't not do bad he just was vanilla
0: for the for for a good you know he just he wasn't well he, he and wasn't like, I said, like I said
1: I think I think the role was vanilla so like I think yeah I to that point like I think I would rather give De Niro something more to chomp on and if you're not going to if the role doesn't require something that is isn't vanilla, like then you could just really give it to any credible actor and maybe somebody who's a little younger who could pull off everything a little better.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that, like you said, though, the coup de grace concept definitely goes down for – I think Scorsese wanting to do one more big gangster-related film since he was known for doing them so much. Um, and also wanting De Niro there and Pesci since he's had past experience with them, and Al Pacino kind of having his ties with the mafia films and stuff like that from all the films that he right. was
1: in. So, so I well, mean, and I think God. I don't think I, I could be wrong, but I don't think didn't uh, I don't think Scorsese's ever worked with Pacino. So I think he hasn't. Yeah, and I think he's like
0: just like uh, Departed really was the first time he worked with. Uh, yeah, it's just like how um, Departed yeah. was the same – for yep, for Jack Nicholson. God, I mean, it sucks that we never got a movie with those three greats in them, especially when they were younger, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, and Robert De Niro. But um, I thought about that. I pondered the concept. And also having Leo in this would have been amazing. I'm just hoping, as a Scorsese fan, for one of his future films, I would love to see him work specifically. And it does not have to be a mafia fucking movie – but Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro in the same film would be fucking awesome to me.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be fucking great. Um. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, like I said, I think the last thirty minutes of this movie was Scorsese really exploring his own mortality throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, really um, could
1: be. I. I think it would be really interesting for him to explore that throughout a whole movie um and I don't know what that movie would be. I don't know what that script would be, but like I think you could absolutely like I think to me, it seemed like that was he the story he was most interested in telling um because he made such an emphasis on it really throughout the movie, but particularly at the end of the movie um and i think that that should be his like opus like his his um his, his not maybe not his final movie but like maybe his next movie um like someone coming to grips with mortality um and it should be the main theme of the movie cuz it really wasn't the main theme of the movie It was the main theme of the final act of the movie um and i think Having that be through whatever story he wants to tell, the main theme of a movie would be really interesting because it really seems like he's kind of cued in on that. Um, And I'd be really interested to see that movie. Well, he's 77, so. It could be happening soon. Robert De Niro.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I want to see. I mean, those are his two muses. One's uh, the early. I mean,. Obviously, the ultimate concept, which is never going to happen based on the technology, would be having a young Robert De Niro from the '70s with, you know, nowadays Leonardo DiCaprio. But that's completely fucking not going to happen. But I'm just saying, his two muses, his two muses. It would be great to see them in one film together, directed by arguably for both of them the best director that they've worked with. Uh, Well, for Leo, there's lots, lots of choices. Um,
1: I mean, I, yeah, I, I love would... Tarantino. I love – I fucking love Tarantino. I think Tarantino is the director of our time. I think mm-hmm. – I mean, they have both worked with Tarantino because uh, De Niro worked on Jackie Brown, so, like, you could make the yeah. argument for either one of them. Um, but I think as far as just timeless movies – I mean, you could put Pulp Fiction up there with Goodfellas. Um, I mean, I I personally would pick Pulp Fiction over Goodfellas. And know you you wouldn't, um, but...
0: Well, it's funny. You know, they're my one and two, though. So it's Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction, then The Dark Knight. <laughs> oh, there you
1: go. Nice. Um, but, like, uh, I mean, I, I I definitely think you... If nothing else, you can make the argument that maybe Tarantino has the um ha, has the less blemished record but uh as as far as like pinnacle that Scorsese has the better pinnacle record like goodfellas mm-hmm. fucking raging bull um uh, uh casino like like particularly those three movies and you could add any number of movies onto it um taxi driver or you know fucking uh, uh Cape Fear like so many um but uh I and like I said I think Tarantino has a less blemish record like he doesn't have a bad movie um whereas you know Scorsese he has a couple duds he, he does um but nonetheless I mean I think as far as an impact I think Scorsese is is Scorsese is like it's very impressive when you're the guy who is thrown in with spielberg and george Lucas, kubrick and kubrick um and and kubrick didn't really have a bad film either um eyes wide shut doesn't count because that was not he died before that movie was cut and so they had to cut it without him I, yeah, I even
0: fine. like – but like Scorsese, like, I even like that weird-ass movie he made with Nicolas Cage, where Nicolas Cage is oh, a – Oh, yeah. A, 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 it's the
1: Dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought, that, I thought that I thought that was a, a great damn – where he's an somniac, and he works yeah, – yeah, yeah, as an EMT. Yeah, yeah it's a fucking
1: um, great movie. Um, he just got yeah, like, a certain I,
0: flavor. Even, even – um, even, uh, what's his name? Oh, man, now I'm fucking blanking. The horror guy uh, who made uh, Psycho, and why well, can't I think of his name? Oh, um, yeah. there's certain people have a certain cinematic. I don't know, man. It's just so crazy. Like Scorsese definitely is a modern concept of that, where all filmmakers kind of, you know, a lot of them harping back to probably going and looking at what Scorsese did with a certain film or something like that, or right. something catches their eye that he did. there. They're like, we, I want to have something like that, especially his long shots. I mean besides the Coco Cabana scene and Goodfellas, his long shots <laughs> so are pretty fucking beautiful. impressive. He can get a yeah. lot done well, with so much going
1: on. Yeah, and I and I think too if we're still around in a hundred years um excuse me, if we're still around in a hundred years, I think Scorsese's style is more um it translates better to be, um, timeless, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. like Tarantino's style, it's, 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 very stylized. Um, and I, and like, I love it. I fucking love Tarantino. Like I said, he's my favorite director, but
0: do you know who I, Whitten's favorite director is of all time?
1: No, I don't.
0: I'm kind of curious on that myself. Sorry.
1: Oh, I thought you had the answer. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I,
0: I was asking you.
1: <laughs> no, I I'm I, I don't know. Um I, I mean I know of a lot of, I know he loves Brian De Palma. Which makes sense because he he does a lot of like he he utilizes like a lot of Brian De Palma esque um directing techniques. Um but uh I don't I do oh, not fuck, know. Man. Scarface, um Yeah. Um which I think is very overrated, but that's for another episode. Um but yeah, I I I I do I think Scorsese uh like it it to me it's like Scorsese or Spielberg. Like those are the yeah. two greatest directors of all time. Like it, it really, Spielberg's to really to impressive. I think, yeah. Just because of I, genres I, that a, he's a, done. Yeah, exactly. And I and I just think that um I think, like, a guy like Tarantino, like, he's a solid third. Um, I, like, I'm just trying to look at this objectively. Um, and, and I think he's easily top five. Um, but, uh, but like, a solid third, even though, like, Scorsese, like I said, Scorsese and even Spielberg, they have their duds, but they have their masterpieces. Um and uh and one thing that
0: Scorsese says he has going for him is his music movies as well with The Last Waltz, No Direction Home, Shine a Light, George ooh. Harrison Living a Material oh. World. All of them love are fucking No Direction done.
1: Home, dude. Yeah. You it's know a great I love Bob Dylan. So, yeah, it's a great documentary. All right, man, you ready to move on to uh The Mandalorian? Well, I
0: just kind of All right, before we do that, um Sure. Just real quick while we wrap it up, um I wanted to mention that Rotten Tomatoes, if you guys were wondering, 96% in Rotten Tomatoes, 86 for the audience score. Um, so that's Quite pretty damn good. Long, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I, how many of them actually even watched it in theaters or watched it in general? But um, Well, see, I feel
1: like, just real quick, I feel like a lot of people who, like, watch this movie like I did, and they're like, yeah, it's a little too long. Um that doesn't mean I didn't fucking think it was a great fucking movie. Like, you know, I don't know. I I I think people, they they just – they want instant gratification, and if they don't get it, they're just like, ah, oh, fuck this. And it's just stupid. And it, 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 for all of the faults that critics have, at least they don't view movies like that. You know what I mean they don't view movies where they want instant gratification. They watch a whole movie and they dissect it and they think about it and then they they you know give their opinion on it um whereas I think just the average fans like they just they don't they don't look at movies like that and it's it's yeah I mean I guess it's 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 um yeah I mean it's typical it is what it is, but uh. You know, I, it's I all guess. how you
0: wear your underwear.
1: Yeah, I guess it is, man. I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, all right, so yeah, I kind of—I'm just going to give a, a brief rundown of the movie itself. Um, and if there's any scenes that come to mind, that along with a score—I know that I'm, I'm pretty sure you hate doing scores—but from one to ten. And then where where it ranks on your Scorsese movies. Like if if your favorite like mine is Goodfellas or or against the other gangster films, where do you think it ranks uh, within that too? So basically the movie itself, like I said, is about Frank, who's the Irishman. He becomes a hired gun for the mafia. He works for Joe Pesci's character, Russell, meets Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino, through them, who is the head of the union, has mafia ties. Fucking hates JFK. Uh, Shortly, Mm -hmm. some stuff happens where Jimmy goes to jail. He's not supposed to be head of the union now afterwards uh, when he gets out four years later. De Niro and him have this great relationship. They become best friends. Uh, De Niro gets to become head of a union with him. uh, And also, he gets this ring that kind of means that he's made, even though he's uh, Irish, from Russell. So those two guys are like his father figures, if you will. Russell gives him the ring, mm-hmm. Jimmy gives him a watch. And both of those are re- very, very dear to him. He kind of like looks at them constantly. Well, Jimmy fucks with the wrong guy, uh, obviously seeing him in jail, the one that you were referring to, that play uh Graham's character, I forgot what his name is. Uh, and because one's not willing to back down to the other, The Mafia wants Jimmy dead, and Pesci basically puts it on De Niro's character, and he does it, confesses, and his daughter hates him for it, who loves Jimmy and hated Pesci, almost with a passion throughout the movie. Now, we also know that this is is one account of about five or six situations that could have happened with Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa and the death of Jimmy Hoffa is a huge American crime concept with lots of different stories and, and a lot of speculation throughout it. So we don't even know if this really happened. This was what the writer of the book, who is the FBI agent who's, in, who's talking to De Niro's character uh, right at the end of his days, basically, uh, in the old folks' home. So that is the layout of the movie. I love some of the scenes. I love the part in uh, the um, the scene where the lawyer – where someone comes after Al Pacino and his uh, stepson steps in, lunges at him, takes him down. He has a gun. And like Pacino's like, yeah. that's what I always told him. If you lunge, if he's got a gun, you lunge. If he's got a knife, you run away. Like he gets on like, Al Pacino's fucking frantic energy in this is is amazing. This movie and it's a lot funny, of just right? breakdown of uh, the, the visuals of the 60s and a lot. My favorite scene is that scene where Crazy Joe gets shot down at his birthday party by Robert De Niro for pissing off and going, Me get the fuck out of my face literally says that to him, like, get the fuck out of my face, to De Niro, pisses off Pesci, he goes there, shoots him down, and I think they did it in one, uh, one single shot, and he goes outside, he fucking blows his brains out, and then jumps in the car and gets the fuck away, and I mean, it's the mafia during the 60s, late 50s, 60s, 70s, so a lot of stuff people were able to get, get away with it, uh, for me, I, I need to see it again, I've seen it, I fell asleep watching it, and it was because we just ate Thanksgiving. My brother wanted to watch it at 9 o'clock at night, and I told him it was going to fucking happen. So I ended up watching the whole thing (laughs) the next day. Um, So I've seen it almost two times. I want to see it again, and then I don't know if I'll ever have to see it again, honestly. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like Goodfellas, Casino, a lot of the other movies where I Mm watched it over and over and over again. Like, if Goodfellas is on TV, I'm going to end up watching it. That's just
1: how it is. It's like Joe, yeah.
0: Yeah, if, if I need to fall asleep and I'm, I'm having problems, I usually put on Good Goodfellas, and for some reason, as fucked up as that <laughs> sounds, yeah, helps me go to sleep. But um, yep. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I still think it was a very, very damn good movie by Martin Scorsese. If this is his last gangster epic, I'm happy for him, uh, even though I like The Departed better. I think when they gave him the Oscar for that, they gave him an Oscar for pretty much everything, like a lifetime achievement. If he were to be yeah. nominated, and I haven't seen a lot of the other films against him, but if you were to get nominated for Best Director, I think they would be giving it to him because of this film. And uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know his competition, but there is something to be said about that. I think compared to the other gangster films, I might have liked it more than Mean Streets, but I don't even know if I like it more than Departed or Casino, and I definitely don't like it more than Goodfellas. No. So no. Um, I, I'm going to say it's tied with Gangs in New York as far as the, the the crime-based films, and as far as the sure. overall film category, it's, it's, it's down there for me, but I still think it was a very solid film and a very, very great biopic. So what did you think, basically? Your last final thoughts of The Irishman, uh, Nick?
1: yeah I mean I mostly agree with you i think um a i i like i like the way you summed up the movie um i I do think all of the acting performances are fucking great um i I would give it a seven or a seven point five like somewhere in that range um out of ten. Uh, I I mean I I think it's really solid. I think it's worth the watch. I think um, I I think it could be better if it had um, maybe the eyes of a really good editor who could get across to Scorsese how you need to edit this film down. Because um, I like I think my biggest takeaway from this movie. Um, and I, I think I may have said this earlier. There is a great film in there, but what we got was a really good film, and that's fine. Like it, it, you know, it is what it is. But there is a great film in there. If just I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's going to be like, well, you, you had to do this and you had to do that and you had to take this out and that out and this out. Um, like, I mean, I did say earlier that the last 30 minutes I thought were superfluous, um, but, like, I, I I think there are still much better eyes on that than I have, um, but, you know, overall, I, I think it's a really good movie. I think uh, as far as where I would rank it is, as far as, you know, current um, Scorsese films, like you said, I – I mean it's no Goodfellas, it's no casino, it's no taxi driver. Um it's it's about on par with something like Mean Streets, which was his first like big um kind of uh, uh foray into uh you know uh filmmaking uh and yeah, I mean I w- I would think it's 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 somewhat on that level. Uh, but it's it's definitely not uh the cream of the crop it's not the best of scorsese and but that's okay like it's it's you know he uh he made a really solid movie with a really great cast who delivered really great performances and um i i think i agree with you in the sense of i really enjoyed it um for the most part uh i don't know how soon I'll go back to revisit it, and I think that is kind of the the kind of and it's not you know there there's some movies where you don't want to go back to revisit because they're just you know like just like uh like Requiem for a Dream like I'll never watch that movie again just because it, it just makes me feel yeah yeah dirty yeah um but it's like great and i don't think this movie is as good as requiem for a dream but it, it, it I kind of i guess the same thing in, in in a different light um where i i just don't know when i'll go back to rewatch it you know especially given how long it is um so i you know if, if i want to go back and watch a watch a Scorsese movie uh, you know i'm going to pick any of the classics. Goodfellas, Casino, Taxi Driver, uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, uh the, the Gangs in New York, um, you know, any any of those kind of movies. So but, uh, yeah, I, but yeah, you, man. I mean I think it's really good though. I mean and that and that's the thing. It's with Scorsese it's like you have such a high bar that it, You can make a really good movie, and it still be not even even close to your top (laughs) five.
0: That's amazing. It's still still a damn good film. doesn't matter. Yeah, and I had uh, quite a few uh, coworkers of mine, good friends of mine, originally from the Dominican Republic that were kind of new with Scorsese, saw this film because of all the publicity, really loved this film. And if anyone out there, if you don't know a lot about Martin Scorsese – and you've never seen Goodfellas? Go fucking watch it now. That's all I have to it's say. It's still a damn crime
1: he didn't win months. the Oscars that year. Oh God, <laughs> damn it, man! That's the worst. Uh, that's the worst Oscars ever. For not for him not getting Best Director, <laughs> like that's fucking ridiculous. Uh, I don't even bad. remember well, what won that year. Oh, it was Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. won that year. Cause that's yeah, let that sink in. Jesus.
0: How many? How All many right. times you watch that movie, Dane? <laughs> Once. Uh, yeah. What are you
1: gonna do? I've watched it twice, and I don't think I'll watch it again.
0: Yeah. Well, you, we were talking about directors. I wanted to make mention to kind of get us into, uh, you know, we got a little bit. A little bit – about 20 minutes to break down this episode of The Mandalorian, and uh, I wanted to say all four directors so far I think have done a great job. Dave Filoni, who's new at live action, did the first episode. I think he did a good pilot. Uh, The second episode was from Rick Famuyua who did Dope and a bunch of other movies. Uh, I thought he did a great job with the second one. Deborah Chow did the third episode, probably my favorite so far in the series, and she's doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what she does with that series since she's a showrunner. And I wanted to say that Bryce Bryce Dallas Howard did a great job with this episode. I'm not going to say the episode itself was my favorite, but I loved the uh, part... Uh once again spoilers guys. Uh where the ATSC was coming through the trees and they looked up and I'm like oh, yeah. and I said to and I said to Luke I go, "Dude, that reminds me of Jurassic Park." And then I remembered, "Oh wait, Dallas Bryce Howard's doing this fucking episode. I'm sure that had something to do with it cuz it was so much like the Maybe. T-Rex in the first Jurassic Park." Uh Absolutely. but I thought I thought this is a great episode. I love this series. I I have not had as many problems, I'll I'll just say that, with the past films that they've done with Disney, with this new trilogy, or some of the other films outside of that. But to me, including the prequels, this series to me has felt the most like the original Star Wars movies. I don't know what it is that they're doing, maybe it's the practical effects, well, fuck if you look at what George Lucas added it on. Anyways, but a lot of the stuff that they do, the cantina scenes and stuff like that, it just brings me back, and I I love this episode. Uh, this episode, it, it's crazy. Um, I don't know if you even watched it, Nick, but the way that he was helping the the people themselves, the small you know, try the people having their issues with, I I don't know what the fuck they were. They look like orcs from Lord of the Rings, but those savages. They did. Um, yeah, I was like, what? Uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, who the fuck are, are these? The orcs from Lord of the Rings? But either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it really reminded me uh, of him going on this journey. It reminded me of uh, of Avatar, The Last Airbender, uh, great Nickelodeon cartoon. Um, I say that, you know, for cartoons you can say what you want about them. But to me, it's like Gargoyles and Batman, where it just very smart the way that they made it. But um, they had to do similar things with different types of groups of people. And I just love the breakdown of the episode. I love Gina Carano's character. Um, I heard people already complaining about her acting. I thought she was fine. I didn't think she was bad, whatever. Yeah,
1: I um, thought she was fine. But
0: I yeah, I, I thought the relationship between her and Pedro Pascal's Mondo uh the, the Mandalorian himself, um I thought was great. I I you know, I just I really enjoyed this episode. I love that they're in space and that, you know, baby Yoda is just fucking with his shit and he's like don't do that. Stop <laughs> doing that, stop doing that, go away. You know. And that's the relationship. But he really does have this fondness for him, and he's showing layers to his character. Like, like a lot of people complain that he kind of got his ass kicked in the first two episodes, but I like to see that. Yeah, he's flawed. He goes in headstrong after a bunch of Jawas and gets fucking electrocuted because he's yeah. dumb and didn't realize you just killed a bunch of them, and all of them are going to be at the top of that fucking, you know, porch-like part on their their auto thing. And uh, I just – I like that he's flawed. I like the Batman-esque of him kicking ass in the episode before. They've just showed a lot of this character, and this was him really – you know, his humanity that's hidden from his mask. You know, he has a chance that Gina Carano says, Nick, where you could just fucking settle down here and sip on, you know, drinks with this beautiful woman who obviously has a thing for you and just protect – You know this baby Yoda character and just be happy, but he can't. He he feels like it's his duty to, you know, live out the the concept of being a Mandalorian soldier, and that that's to him, since kind of like a almost a ritualistic uh, religious type of thing with the Mandalorians. That's number one, and what becomes number two is protecting this small Yoda-like creature, which he tries to almost leave there because he thinks he's happy until he realizes that someone is on his tail from the Empire. So I thought the episode was awesome. Just give me your your beginning thoughts, uh, Nick, on the fourth episode of The Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, it it was my favorite episode to this point. Um, I I have thought that the show was fucking terrific um, to this point. I think that the hype behind the show or behind the people who love the show um has been slightly overblown um like it, it's hard for me to, to quantify this without sounding like I don't like the show because I fucking love the show um but I do think that people are um, they, they, they love aspects about the show that I feel like are just great aspects within other things that we've seen from Disney and Star Wars. Um, and it, it, it's hard for me to, like, reconcile those two things because, uh, I mean, you know me. I love The Last Jedi, and so many people hate The Last Jedi, and so many people who hate The Last Jedi love this show. Um, and it, it, it just, it's just it's, – it's weird for me – for someone who loves mostly everything they've done, in fact, the thing that I dislike the most that they've done, and I don't hate it, it's just I dislike it, or I, 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 I wouldn't even say I dislike it. The the thing that I like the least is Rogue One, and that's what so many people fucking love because it's like all of this like old, um, uh, original trilogy stuff, and I feel like a lot of that factors in here like a lot of this is old like original trilogy stuff and like people just love that like they soak it up um unnecessarily in my mind um i don't think the story has been that fucking great until this point um this is the episode that really grabbed me that really like it, first of all it's to me like, yeah, there was a little bit about the first three episodes that gave you some inclination as to who this main character was. This was the first episode that really to me grabbed me as far as i I feel like I know this character now. I really feel like I know the Mandalorian um uh and you get some more cute Yoda scenes um and just. The but particularly the way that the Mandalorian goes about um, trying to uh, not only protect Baby Yoda but like he has this um, this way about him, you know he's obviously a very Han Solo esque character where he is, um, you know he's he's got a heart of gold, but. You know he's uh, also pragmatic, and he, he he needs to you know see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel as far as anything that he's going to do uh, for any other particular person. Um, and so obviously they that you know the group um, says the right thing uh, to him when they're trying to recruit him um, as far as having a place to be, as far as off the beaten path our shelter, um, so he, he responds to that, uh, and and you know, particularly the the thing that got me was the little speech they were trying to you know basically say, hey, you know, Gina Carano's character is like, we can't beat them, they are going to fucking kill us because they have an ATSD Walker, um, and that thing will fuck us all up and he's basically like well yeah unless we can um we can uh you know surprise it and fuck it up uh did you want
0: some 80s montage music while they were teaching them how to be soldiers i just wanted to be uh, like this is a montage yeah some (laughs) bullshit like that um
1: i think I think they could have worked that in as far as Star Wars, I'm glad they didn't try. Um but uh, but no, I uh I lo- I really fucking love this episode. It really this was the episode that really cemented um me as a fan of the series because I I really liked the first 3 episodes. I fucking loved this episode. It just it just hit everything that I needed it to hit. You got little cute baby Yoda, um, which I mean we've had you know from really episode one from the end of episode one. Um, but like I don't know. I think people loved episode three because of um, and and I think you mentioned that that was your favorite episode. Like um, the, the 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 whole Mandalorian thing at the end and the whole shootout scene. That's fine. It's good, um, and him going back for Baby Yoda, like yeah, that was good. Like I, I enjoyed it. Um, I just, I don't know. I didn't. It, it still didn't quite grab me. This, this one, like, really centered me. This one really grabbed me and really, uh, it. I guess you, you know what I think it is, Dane. It, it felt like, um, and and I feel like this show kind of is somewhat of a representation of this. It felt like a Firefly episode to me. Um and the Absolutely. That's, that's what I think this show is like kind of somewhat wrangling towards uh and and this was the first episode that really felt like a Firefly episode because of um not just the main characters um, which there are much fewer in this show than there are Firefly, um, but the the, um, the 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 subsequent characters um, with the the woman that obviously he has an attraction to and she has an an attraction to him, the daughter who obviously loves little baby Yoda, um, the 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 bounty Gina uh, Gina what's her name uh, who's the the bounty hunter. Um, like all of these uh side characters who got like these really good um really good parts and really good like dialogue and really good uh just just ways to like interact within the scenes of of this particular episode um it just all culminated in it's something that really worked for me and like there were more characters in this episode that I cared about than any other episode like I cared about every single character in this episode Um, and I I think that's what really grabbed me Um, and I hope to see more of that with you know what we have coming forward obviously we have um, you know we we know we have Bill Burr coming on as a bounty hunter I think he's going to be like one of the main characters in the next episode and I very much look forward to that um but you know just in general i we know uh gina is going to come back um and there's you know uh obviously a couple other characters that are going to um uh show up uh the biggest of which is um what's his name uh the the uh giancarlo uh esposito, giancarlo esposito? or whatever yeah uh he's going to show up and that's going to be a big character um so i hope we get to see a lot of his driving force um because i think that is that's the essence of what makes you like really care about characters that's why i didn't really care about um you know um uh Werner Herzog and um the the um Camino uh, clone character, Doctor Dude, because um, I mean you didn't really understand what their intentions were, and I get that that that's part of it. Like we're going to learn what those intentions are, um, mm-hmm. but like with all of these characters, you knew, like you knew them, um, and so you you felt their intentions, you knew what they were going for, and I think that goes a big part as to why you care about particular characters within a story whatever that story may be whether it be a movie or tv show whatever um so i like i don't know i think that is the biggest reason to me why this episode particularly stood out to me it's just all these characters like they their their goals were somewhat well defined their intentions were well defined um and you know, you get a little bit more of the revelations and exposure, particularly of our our um, our uh, protagonist, the Mandalorian, um, and it, it it just all culminates into something that I'm even more intrigued than I was after uh, episode three to like really explore this character.
0: Yeah, and I think that's going to be I don't know the advancement with the rest of the series is is this relationship between him and this mini Yoda-like creature like I I don't know what the hell you're supposed to call it but baby Yoda that's Little what I'm going to call it. With his, with his baby Yoda yeah. You got you got to have an Ash Pikachu relationship with the two of these I guess you could say yeah. um and, yeah. and I'm wondering what planets we're going to explore, what new planets, what ones we already know. I think that's the whole entire – you know, what, the thing that kind of brings a lot of Star Wars fans into this is the possibilities for stuff that we haven't seen, stuff that we want to see. Hey, maybe they'll end up on that casino planet from the last movie. That'll probably <laughs> be a great idea. That'll fucking make people real happy. Uh, but to kind of wrap this up before we uh, end everything. Well, hey, you know Ryan get...
1: Johnson wants to direct an episode of season two, so maybe we will.
0: <laughs> yeah, no shit. I want any of the people that liked Knives Out to uh, know if or <laughs> state if they know that Ryan Johnson also directed, and if they hated that, then they can shut the fuck up. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, get it. Kind of like to wrap this up. Our character. If he has a positive ending within this story, which who knows if he will, could he end up back right. on that planet? And will we ever see him take off the mask and see Pedro Pascal's face in this series? Or would you want to see that?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think they they did a good job of explaining it in this past episode where he's basically like, I take off my mask in private. Because
0: um, I think a lot of people were – Like in front of an open window with people right outside of it.
1: Yeah, I mean that was kind of weird. Um, but like, nevertheless, I mean, I think that like, you know, a lot of people were like, "Well, how do you eat? How do you like?" And okay, so you you will take out. Do you wash your balls? Are in private. Right, or or do you just wash your face? Like, um, do you wash your hair? Do you brush your teeth? Like those kinds of things. Um, but uh. But like, nevertheless, um, like I, I, I do hope he gets a happy ending. Um, obviously we're not going to see it in this season uh, because we already got a green light for uh, a second season. Um, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if he does ever take off his mask in front of other people and what does that mean. And I think that is something, um, that they could potentially draw on in the future if he kind of turns his back on the Mandalorian way of life and how his tribe would um react to that um I think that could be something interesting that they delve into down the road I hope they don't do it too soon um but yeah. I think that is something that they could uh they could you know explore
0: Well, speaking about exploring, thank all of you wonderful explorers for exploring another episode of Monday Suck. Uh, It's now in the past, guys, but uh, like I said, any of the new listeners, go to geekfivesnation.com. You can find news for all of our stuff involving comic movies, comics, uh, video games, wrestling. We cover a lot of array of topics. You can find links to Instagram, Facebook, And even our MySpace, I'm just kidding, our Twitter, all on there. And if you don't listen live on Blog Talk, you can check us out. Just search Monday Suck or Geek 5's Nation or Wrestling Geeks Alliance, which is my other show I do on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at noon p.m. EFT. Just search that stuff on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. If it's there you can listen to us off that audio downloading platform. Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks, to everyone, like I said, for listening, all of our you know our, our listeners that come back. I appreciate you guys. If we have something to talk about next week, we'll talk about it. If not, I'll see you from the following Monday from now. Thank you guys so much. Let the Geek vibes be with you, and peace out.
1: Peace. I'm going to create a MySpace page for us just for the hell of it. (laughs)